This is the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, guys. Oh, man, I look forward to having these kinds of conversations uh, each and every year. This is one of the most important things that I get a chance to talk about. And today we're going to talk about the foster care community and child discipleship. I am joined by Tracy and Kayla, as well as Melanie. So Tracy Rudd is the state director for Colorado Kids Belong. And Kayla Maxey is the family life pastor at Harbor Church. And of course, Melanie Hester works with me here at Awana. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am really looking forward to this conversation, guys. I want to just start to back up a little bit, though, because you guys have a unique setup for foster care that we're going to get into in the state of Colorado. But just for a little bit of background information, Tracy, let's start with you. Can you explain to folks what Colorado Kids Belong is? What is the sort of scope of that ministry? Yes. So Colorado Kids Belong is um, an organization that started here in Colorado and has now launched across the country. We're in 10 states, actually, I think almost 12 now. Um, and the the whole idea is to help change the experience and outcomes for kids in foster care. So we see that that's done in lots of different ways. For one, it's done by recruiting more foster parents to get involved. But we've seen over the years that you can recruit lots of foster parents, but if you don't recruit support for those foster parents, then they'll quit within a year or two. So we want to see foster parents um, foster stronger and longer. And just this last year, we launched what we call um, Foster Friendly. So it's a, a mobile app but really it's so much more than that. It's a platform for us to collaborate with other nonprofits, with the faith community and with um, businesses even, all reaching out to support families that are fostering because we know that that's how we can change that experience for kids is by having more than enough people involved. It's a really innovative and I struggle to even find a, the, this word doesn't do it justice, but cool. It's a really cool thing <laughs> that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, so Kayla, you are a family life pastor at Harbor Church. Tell folks about Harbor Church. How long have you been in the, wor the world of children's ministry? Yeah. So well, Harbor Church um, is a pretty young church. It's only been around for about six years. Um, I have been doing children's ministry for, oh gosh, it makes me sound super old, but I feel like nine years now. Um, maybe eight. I don't, I don't know. You fall into ministry and you, I don't feel like ministry has like a start date. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah I've been that sound you heard was just the chorus of listeners shouting. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I've been doing children's ministry for a while here in Colorado at two different churches now. So, and Harbor's great. I started here. Um, let's see, February, 2021. So it hasn't been too yeah. long that I've been at this church. Now, how, what was your connection to the foster community more broadly prior to this relationship with Colorado Kids Belong? Yeah. So I am an active foster parent, um, just going into my sixth year of being a foster family. And um, I met Tracy, it was like January, I don't know, 2021-ish. Um and I came from a place of like, my husband and I felt called to foster and adopt and whatever God wanted to do in our life that way. Um, but years into it, I kind of was like, this is really hard. And as an individual living this life every day, 
I knew that we needed more, more support, more everything, not just for me, but for every family out there. Um, and we have great support. And so I was thinking about those families that didn't. And, um, I actually found Tracy, I think it was Instagram that yeah. we connected. Um, cause I was following, you know, foster moms follow all of the, all those cool foster things out there. Um, and so I just reached out to Tracy and I was like, Hey, can we chat? And this was when I was kind of between churches, trying to just figure out what God wanted me to do and how to put all my passions into one thing. So yeah, that's like the broad scope of that. I needed help. I reached out to Tracy to just see how we could do better. I can literally remember standing on my back deck, pacing back and forth, getting excited as Kayla yeah. and I were talking about all the things. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It's been a beautiful partnership. Now. Tracy, for background for folks, what does the foster care system, what does that look like in the state of Colorado? Yeah, so Colorado um, is set up where foster care is run county by county instead of state run. Um, so a person that wants to get involved in foster care would either go through a private placement agency um, and if so, typically then they're licensed for the whole state, but otherwise you're only licensed for the county you live in or a count like depending where I live, we live right by another county. So I could get certified in the other county. Um, but it, there's probably some pros to it, but also I think there's a lot of hard things that just makes things really spread out, um, and different, but therefore different kids, like the child that we adopted from foster care, we had to go get licensed by his County in order to adopt him. Um, cause we weren't already licensed through a private placement agency. Mel and Kayla, I want to, I want to lean in here to what I think is kind of the main point of this conversation which is there's folks who are listening to this who are children's pastors and they may be going, what am I able to do for this child who has already experienced so much, who has already gone through so much trauma or is going from home to home, or maybe they're only in my club or my ministry context for a short period of time. And Kayla, I'll start with you, but Mel, I want to, I want you to speak to this a bit more broadly here in a second. For you guys with Colorado Kids Belong in your church specifically, you guys have developed something called this wraparound services idea. You guys have made this partnership work. Can you help folks understand what that is yeah. and how you've seen that work in your community? Yeah. So I think um, everyone thinks about, you know, the kids in foster care and how do we reach them and how do we be a support for them? But really it's the family. And so it's the foster family that is taking these kids in because we know that true discipleship happens at home and it starts in our homes. Um, I think I, when Mel and I chatted, I referred to like my home as a foster mom, like is holy ground. And so I want the discipleship to start there and to be a safe place that these kids can land, but it's really hard. And so something beautiful that Colorado Kids Belong does is they partner with faith communities to be wrap around churches or foster friendly churches. And this wraparound ministry, it really is that word wrap. So um, it's providing each family with a team that physically, emotionally, spiritually wraps around them like a big old warm hug um, with our words, with just how we speak to them, with understanding where they're coming from, um, with respite. So respite is just fancy word for childcare and babysitting, um, and acts of service. So that's the A and then prayer. 
And so the things that that I noticed as a foster parent missing were people checking in on me with those words Mm. with like, Hey, I know it's visit day. How can I be praying for you? Or here's a scripture or whatever. Um, Respite is really tricky. It's getting a little bit easier in Colorado, but you have to be background checked. You have to be official, you know, somebody that the agency knows or the County knows in order to watch the children for X amount of time. So that's really hard to find to just get a break. Um, And then the acts of service to say, okay, leave your dirty laundry physically on your porch and I'm going to pick it up, wash it and drop it back off. Like what are those acts of service that are super tangible that we can bring to these families? So it really is the wraparound ministry of physical, tangible, emotional, spiritual support for these families who then can be filled up to pour into the kids. We're going to put this in the show notes, but just to make sure that we get the acronym right, because we're we're in children's yep. ministry. So we get yep. got to make sure we hit the abbreviation, right? Can you can you hit these letters one yeah. more time? So wrap W words R respite A acts of service and P prayer. Those are beautiful. Yeah. And it's interesting because actually in the state of Illinois, respite is actually easier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the few things that I think Illinois foster care has actually gotten been more innovative in. Yeah. It's uh, something like common law. If the foster parent decides that this is someone who you can who can watch the child, they are able to make that decision for themselves. Yeah, that's great. Now, Mel, I want to come to you here because I want to begin to bring some context around this for our people, right? Because if I'm listening to this and I'm a children's pastor, I may be thinking like, how can we begin to, if I'm a children's pastor listening to this, begin to serve the foster care community in my community more tangibly the way that these guys have in Colorado? Well, I think, I think our first kind of gut reaction might be to say, okay, what is something I can do? How can I implement? How are the three easy steps that I can make this happen? And let's like then call ourselves a, you know, a foster friendly church and let's then move on to something else because that's just what we want in our life, right? Like that's how, in order for us to fit in the most amount of yeses, that's how things have to function, right? So I think my initial response is is actually to humanize it and to really like sit and before you create a three-point plan on what you and your church can do, I think we have to sit down and ask ourselves one, what is our, what does our church community need and begin to start listening and taking a pulse on who's in your church community. And then who is outside potentially of your church community that you could serve? Because I think that then is the grounding place where you can then launch to, to actually meet real needs of real people who are helping real kids. Right. And so I just, I was, I, I really love Kayla that you and Tracy met on Instagram because that's been a place where I've started following America's kids belong and Colorado's kids belong. And then a couple of people who have kind of jumped into my feed that I loved. Um, because yes, I absolutely rot- watch reels at time. I'll just call that out. Um, mm-hmm. but I love when that, that reel comes up that I'm like, and that happened just the other day 
And honestly, I don't remember the account, but it was just, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me through that reel. And yes, I believe he can speak to us through reels. Um, yes. and all things, the woman, all things. <laughs> the woman just said like, perhaps it's the most, it's the most common misconception that being able to help a child in foster care is to like house them in your home. Right. And I just like, was like, it was that moment too, again, where I was like, Ooh, you know, if this isn't something that like for me and my family that, that the Lord has said for right now, yes, go do this. That doesn't mean it's a hard shut door on helping foster kids and families all over the country. So to kind of circle back here, Ross, I think that's, that's like the first thing that I'd ask as a children's ministry leader is Perhaps you have families in your church that you didn't even realize are, are either doing decently well. And I'd, I'd like to use the word thriving, not that everything's perfect, but that God is giving them exactly what they need for that day. Um, or perhaps you'll find a family who is drowning and, and then you'll be able to shape it off of that. And so I think I, I would, I would bounce that back to Kayla and Tracy too, of, so like for the children's ministry leader who is just going to say, okay, fine, I'll consider. And I will ask questions like, what are some questions that they should first start asking about getting to know their church community and the people in it? Yeah, yeah I think it's a great place. Um, we actually encourage people to start with research, which means like looking into your community, like you just said, who in your community is fostering her or has adopted um, and see how they're, if they're thriving or not. And I would also say often those families that are stepping in, in that space to foster, they're probably people that won't admit that they're struggling. They're often the people just like missionaries that go to a foreign land often won't say that they're struggling. It's, it's quite similar. Yeah. Um, so kind of leaning in enough to realize like, okay, they might say they've got it together where they're fine, <laughs> but the underneath are doggy paddling like crazy. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so leaning in, in that way, I think trauma understanding and having some trauma sensitivity or trauma awareness is a huge, huge space. Mm. Um, when my husband and I first went through foster parent training six years ago, that was one of the things that our eyes were really open to and actually helped us to just look at our whole community a little bit differently. So I think for people working in the church community, if they can find some stuff to, to watch and learn about trauma and trauma responses in kids and, and secondary trauma that's happening for the families that are caring for these kids, that alone will help them have some, mm -hmm. some um, compassion and empathy that will help them know how to step in. On our website, we actually offer uh, a trauma sensitivity workshop that people can, there's a one hour free one, or people can download the whole or sign up for the whole course. Um, there's lots of great resources out there though, that'll just help pull back the blinders a little bit to see into what it is that's going on of sleepless nights and tantrums and heartbreak and all those things. And once you know that you can just kind of lean in a little bit differently. Yeah. I would say be curious mm -hmm. as a, as a foster parent, like I'm not, I'm not offended by any question. Like mm -hmm. I'm at this point, pretty rough around the edges after being in it for so long and nothing really surprises me. And so I think just being curious and asking those questions, we actually put out a survey um, that I sent to all of our families just saying, do you have any connection to foster care or adoption? Mm -hmm. 
And it was super short, super simple. And it gave me a great starting point for, okay, who are these families? Or like, have they adopted earlier in life? And they're still, you know, working through that as a family. Like we know that trauma doesn't go away just because a child's last name changes. And um, so that was something that we were super intentional about was just trying to find those first few families who then know more families around them. Um, Also, this is a little creepy, but children's pastors will understand. Take advantage of your check-in. So if families are new and they're coming and they're checking in their kids, you, you know, they might have a different last name or they might stumble with like, what do I, how do I answer these questions? Yeah. And to be aware of, okay, can I ask a little bit about your family? And that opens door, not only to figure out if they're, you know, in this foster care world, but also just a caring of tell me more about your family. And so I honestly, I've probably had three families come within the last six months and at our check-in desk, when they're checking their kids in for the first time, if they fumble at what last name to put, or if it's four different last names, (laughs) I can kind of intuitively think, okay, this family, there's something different here. And Mm -hmm. I I'm curious and I want to know why. And so it opens conversation for a lot of tell me about your family. I'd love to hear something. And so I think it's, it starts with those small things of finding the one family that's going to really help you reach those other families because they're all connected. Well, Kayla, you're, you're kind of digging into, into the space of the children's pastor who is perhaps instead of standing at that check-in desk and smiling and greeting people or whatever that might look like, perhaps it's the frantically copying the last 45 coloring pages that you need to do or (laughs) setting up a goldfish that needed to happen. And, and what I hear you saying is that there's this really intentional time that says for you to help a family, not only feel like they belong in your church and that this is a place for them to be able to begin to see that this is a safe space to possibly have that vulnerability that Tracy was talking about where they don't necessarily say I need help. It starts by you being present and by you. It also sounds like you're saying like leaders might actually have to take the first step forward. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on the importance of just being prepared so that you can be present Mm, um, and leading up. So other leaders can do those other roles so that you can be that face that they see at check-in because that's going to give them so much more peace. Um, And if a child is coming from trauma to be able to be aware of that with the trainings that are offered, but Mm -hmm. have that space to walk them into class to just, you know, like hold their hand in this Mm -hmm. new space that could be scary for all of them, Mm -hmm. for the parents too. I mean, dropping off a kid with trauma to new places, you, you expect to get your number flashed up on the screen within the first 15 minutes because you just don't know what to expect, but to be a place 
of rootedness and groundedness in understanding everyone comes from different circles, different traumas, different everything. And to be able to offer that to families right from the get-go, that's, that's a game changer for sure. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Child discipleship is needed now like never before. We may look at the news and be tempted to despair. Fatigue and worry may feel like a constant weight around our hearts, especially as we consider all our children and grandchildren may face. Even in the U.S., we are experiencing unprecedented waves of aggressive secularism, causing us to ask new questions about how to disciple our children in the digital age. But we can be certain that Jesus is king and the truth of the Bible is still as reliable as ever and that child discipleship gives us great hope. Friends, while we might face unprecedented cultural challenges worldwide and kids are facing a faith crisis of unparalleled impact, from our vantage point, we see God at work. Like never before, we see and believe God is moving and inviting us to bring the gospel and discipleship to children around the globe in new and exciting ways. We want to invite you to prayerfully explore an investment in child discipleship through once-in-a-lifetime opportunities with Awana. Now is the time for us to increase our gospel impact together like never before. Donate today at awana.org slash like never before. It reminds me of the, um, what they often say about kids who are neurodiverse or Mm -hmm. kind of living in, in that, that just super incredible different channels that their brains are created in. Yeah. And you know, they say, don't assume that when you've met one neurodiverse child that you've met all of them, right. All that means is that you've met one neurodiverse child. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing, like just because you've met or have one family who happens to have a foster child or what that looks like, that just means you've met one family and you figured that out. So can we like dive super practical here then Tracy and Kayla to like talk about like what, what will help make a church foster friendly? Like, what does that mean? Um, I love that question. And that's part of what got me really excited when we rolled out this foster friendly program is the thought of not only churches becoming foster friendly, but how cool for families that are fostering Mm -hmm. to be able to realize, oh, there's churches out there that are going to support me and understand me. And I'm going to be drawn to those places. Um, so we have, we keep it pretty simple as far as how a church can become foster friendly. We ask them for them to do at least two of three things. Um, of course we'd love it to be all three, but one would be to be trauma informed. Um, the second would be to offer some kind of support ministry. So like what Kayla's church is doing, they're doing a wraparound type of ministry. Some churches do things like, um, a parent night out event where kids get dropped off and get to have fun. And then the parents get, you know, time to go to dinner or whatever, or sleep. <laughs> I've had foster parents say, we're just going to go take a nap in the car. Um, And then our third thing is that it's something that's talked about from the main stage type of thing at a church, that if a family that is fostering or is adopted from foster care 
is going to go to that church. They want to hear about it. They want to know that it's not just something that's, you know, talked about on a Wednesday night and that's it, but that it's part of the church community. So being trauma-informed, doing something supportive and that it's talked about um, and that it's, it's going to look different at every faith community that is foster friendly. It doesn't mean that everybody has to do wrap around. And actually Kayla's part of a, a collaborative group that gets together a faith round table. So that multiple churches in the same area getting together on a regular basis to talk about what they're all doing. And I think that creates a cool space too, of where each church can do different things, but they can all help the same community by offering different things. Um, one church doing a parent night out thing and somebody else doing wrap around and somebody else being able to say, Hey, we have somebody in our church that needs wrapped around and you have extra volunteers. Can yeah. we, share them with our people. And it's really cool to see everybody work together in those round table faith groups. Mm. Yeah. I think too, just coming from church perspective, um, you know, someone could be sitting in their the children's pastor and they're like, this sounds great. How do I get, you know, yeah. the others involved, you know, whether that's a lead pastor or elders or deacons or whoever you need to, you know, put the final stamp on this. Um, honestly, it starts with prayer. Mm -hmm. I, my previous church that I was at, um, was not, not so foster friendly. They had great things happening in their church and foster care just wasn't really one of the things that they put their focus on just at my old church started praying like, okay, God, can you open up doors for this ministry? And, um, it just makes me think of like Nehemiah before he acted, like he took time and prayed and, um, and like asked God, like, how do I, how do I go to this leader? And, um, I think it just starts with that faithful act of like, if you as a children's pastor are feeling pulled to do something, start with prayer, because if you want to act just to act, it's probably not going to go well. And if you asked, ask the spirit to move, not only in you, as you want to move forward with this, but in the other leaders, if it's meant to be, then that other leader or those other leaders will already kind of be feeling a prompting. And I really do think that the work starts with the spirit. And so when I then came to this church, I had no idea that the spirit was already moving in foster care and adoption here when I took the job, I was like, okay, yeah, this is just part of my life kind of separated from who I am as a professional. Um, cause that's how it was at my old church. But with this one, I immediately met family after family, even our senior pastor through adoption, foster care have been, you know, growing their family. Mm -hmm. And so the groundwork had kind of already been done for me, which is easier said than done. But I started praying that prayer years before. I even got here of like, let me be in a place where this is important. And instead of God making my old church, that place, he brought me to a place where it was already in the framework of the church and no one actually, there wasn't anything being done. And I could just kind of scoop everybody up together and say, this is a really good idea. So, yeah. Well, I could talk to you, you three for about the next 12 hours. Yeah. But for sake of time, I would I do want to begin to land the plane because I'm reminded of two things, which is when we talk about child discipleship, the conversation is incomplete unless we mean child discipleship for every child. Yeah. 
And that includes kids in foster care. And that includes their families. And that includes the families of kids like my biological children whose parents have decided to include foster care in their families, yeah. right? And I'm also reminded that this is what one of the things that the church is meant to be known for, mm. right? Caring for the widows and the orphans is what we are meant to be known for. And in the least problematic, opinion-filled version of this statement, wouldn't it be nice if this was more of what your church was known for. And what I love about what you guys are doing in Colorado and what I hope folks who are listening are taking from this conversation is that their church can be known for more things like this. Mm. The last thing I wanna add for context here is there are, last I looked, there's I think 417,000 kids in foster care in, the, in America. Yeah. And in Illinois, I believe that number is 18,000. I don't know what that number is in Colorado, but I'm at, yeah. Now, the only encouraging thing about that is that means that we need everyone. Mm -hmm. It means that when we talk about wraparound services, it means we need everybody yeah. because there is nothing that anyone can do that is not a useful thing to bring to the life of a child in foster care or their families or someone close to them. And yet, when I'm, my wife and I would talk to people, and I imagine when you guys would talk to people about your journeys, you would get some version of, oh, wow, that's so great. I could never do that. Yeah. yeah. And what I usually say to people who say, I could never give up a child is good. That'd be super weird if you could do that, right? But yet what I'm reminded of is it draws a distance, right? It creates a level of separation from this community. And what I've heard from all three of you is an encouragement to get closer to this community. Mm. So for those who feel ill-equipped for those who feel this stirring that they've been praying and now they're like oh shoot i should not have i should never have pressed play on this podcast <laughs> right what are those first steps what are those things that can lead to their church being foster friendly their church providing wraparound services whatever handle for their community makes sense um for their church to engage in child discipleship um, for this community. Uh, Tracy, let's start with you, but I would love to hear from all three of you. Yeah. I think that, um, our organization would love if anybody would reach out, um, we can walk them through those, those steps of how to get involved in becoming a foster friendly church. And we don't think it's a fast process. Several churches, um, have already been doing some of the things, so it's quick for them, but other churches, it's just slow and steady. Just start with a little bit of something. Um, people can reach out through our website, um, our America's Kids Belong website, and we'd love to walk people through that process. Um, something that just keeps, it's not exactly on this, but it keeps coming to my mind is also thinking of these kids from really hard places and that are living through really, really hard things. I want to insert a cuss word, um, <laughs> cause sometimes it's just totally that, um, yeah. it, 
I don't have that E rating on the podcast, Tracy. So I appreciate you filtering it. Is that it's like thinking of ourselves and wanting to love these children and using the word discipleship and things like that is, is a little bit like a warm crock pot, a crock pot on warm, instead of thinking, Ooh, I need to disciple these kids while I have a chance. It's let them just see trust, let them see love, let them feel it on the warm setting on the crock pot. And that will probably go farther for some of these kids from hard places um, than any kind of like you should love Jesus or whatever would ever go. So just keeping that in mind is important, I think. That's a really good metaphor, yeah, I think. Yeah. What about for you? Yeah. Um, well, I always think of, I think it's Matthew 10. Oh, now I'm going to like sound like a fool, but uh, Matthew 10, I think 42, where it says just a cup of cold water. Like if you just give, you can cross-reference this. Um, <laughs> but Jesus says like, if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, then you're doing it. Like you're, that's paraphrase. You're crushing it. Um and I think often as churches, we overthink things and we think it has to have this, you know, grandiose plan and the perfect budget and spreadsheet and how we're going to make this sustainable for years and whatever, whatever, like we could, we could process it forever. But if just a cold water, a cold glass of water is all your church can give at this moment that's good. And that's enough. And that is holy. And so I think start small, whether it's finding that one family in your church that has a connection to this world of foster care and adoption, find them and take them out for coffee, listen to their story. Like it's, it just starts with one glass of water. I think I also, I love that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We found Colorado Kids Belong and they were like, here's what we've seen working for other churches. So I'm not having to come up with this creative ministry like that that's used in other places. But like the systems are out there. I feel like in every city, town or state, there's something happening that your church can jump on board with so that you don't have to be the creative one. You just have to be the obedient one. And a lot of times as pastors, we get stuck in our head of like, I need this idea. I need to be the creative one. No, you don't. Just jump on board with what someone else is doing because what they're doing is probably pretty good. And so that's what I loved about our connection with Cutter Kids Belong is they told us, okay, this is what we've seen work. This is what other churches around you guys are doing. And so we could just kind of ease our way in and jump on board with what they had already learned. And so I think that don't overthink it. Like just one cup of cold water out of obedience is really beautiful. And God will multiply that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I want to just sit in a second with what Tracy and Kayla just said. The first thing that Tracy said was, let's remember that this is the long game right? Mm -hmm. This is not supposed to be something that you can from like ideation to implementation be done in a span of two months, right? Like this is a long game mm -hmm. and children's ministry leaders, that is discipleship. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is a long game. So let's remember that it's a long game. And then Kayla coming in with her wisdom of, you don't have to be the creative one. You just need to be the obedient one. Yeah. And so 
those two things, if you walk into your church on Sunday morning and remember that it's about the long game and that you just need to be obedient, then that might look like what happened in my church just a couple of weeks ago. So many of you know that I teach fours and fives every week and we had a family come in who dropped off two wonderful little girls in our classroom that one of them was, um, she, she was basically select mute and, um, we, there just was not a whole lot of understanding around what she could hear. And the other one was, had some significant developmental delays and the parents just looked at us and the co-teacher and I were like, okay, like we want to do whatever we can, like, how can we help you? And that went through a course of things of like, at this point, give us a call. Don't push it anymore. Right. It was a very clear conversation with a family I'd never met around expectations and what they need and what their kids need. And then do you know what happened? My co-teacher and I threw everything out the window as far as what we had planned, because our entire goal for that, then that room was to welcome those two girls in a space where they felt known, they felt loved and that they could experience Jesus in a way that he meant for them that day. And I'm not going to be the one to tell you because it wasn't true that it wasn't chaotic and that it didn't feel <laughs> like there were moments where this teacher and I were like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, let's just pivot. Let's just keep pivoting. But when every child had left that classroom and we grabbed some water and took a deep breath, I would say like, that exactly what Tracy and Kayla just said of, we were so grateful that for somehow in just that small moment, God was going to use that in these girls' lives and that we just chose to be obedient. And so you might not have an entire system set up to where you quite yet can, can be creating a strategic plan for how many families you can wrap around this year, but that can come. So for just this week, make your, like your mini goal to just welcome the child who might not fit into the mold that you've created and see what God can do through that obedience. Yeah. I love that. I, I often think of this picture of a lake and you mm -hmm. throw a rock in and you're just throwing in one rock, but mm -hmm. the ripple that goes all the way out to the shore and I think that's what we get to do here is just what you're saying is we get to welcome that one kid mm -hmm. and we don't know what the ripple effect is going to be, or we get to wrap around that one family. And if one family becomes more sustainable, then they can encourage other families to be more sustainable as foster families and then others and others. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, who knows how many kids impacted because you made that one ripple that goes all the way out until, you know, you can't see it anymore. And I think that's just a really beautiful thing is it doesn't have to be a big thing because it's a big thing to that one family or that one kid. Totally. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. 
young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.